This morning I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 15. We're going to read one verse this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I hope that it will help us set the tone for 2023. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, it happens to be the very last verse in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 58. Verse number 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The title of the message this morning is Striving for Consistency. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can come into your house today, the first day of the week and the first day of this new year, 2023. Lord, help us to be re-energized this morning. And Lord, may it not be an energy that is just a, a energy based on emotion and quickly passes. Lord, help us not to approach the new year with... Uh, resolutions, but Lord, help us to be resolute. Help us to set goals that would help us to live a meaningful life in your sight and be used for your honor and glory. And Lord, as we think about 2023, Lord, help us to lead consistent Christian lives. So often we are uh, like a roller coaster and like we're on a roller coaster ride where we're up and down and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to level off and be consistent in our walk for you. Lord, as we look at this important topic today, may it form the basis for how we resolutely want to consistently serve you in 2023. I pray that you'd have your will and way as only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Striving for consistency. Happy New Year. We close the books on 2022, and we welcome 2023. And I do hope that in 2022, we recalled the church theme, the eyes of the Lord are upon us, and I hope that in 2022, we remember that in our daily walk with the Lord. Now, with excitement, I trust, we look forward to 2023. We anticipate health, wealth, and spiritual prosperity. And by the way, if you think that that's improper to ask that for one another and to expect that and ask that of the Lord, then you need to read what John wrote in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John uh, because those are right and proper desires for one another. Now, we always try to help each other stay focused. And as the pastor of the church and desirous to provide proper leadership for the church, I always come up with a church theme. And of course, the purpose of the church theme is to help us stay focused. And so our 2023 church theme is 2023 striving for consistency. Now the word consistent literally means to be constantly adhering to the same principles, form, or course of conduct. Christian consistency is when we are steadfast and when we are movable in our walk with the Lord. Christian consistency applies to every area of our lives, to our private devotions, 
to our public walk and to our performance of service, whether it be in the Lord's house or in any other area of our lives. In 2023, as believers, we should be striving for consistency. Striving to be constantly adhering to the same principles, form, and course of conduct that the Lord Jesus Christ modeled for us during His life here on this earth and that which is given to us in the Word of God. Charlotte Bronte, the English novelist, wrote the book Jane Eyre. She wrote, Consistency, madam, is the first of Christian duties. And I say this morning as we move into 2023, we ought to be striving for consistency. Now, in our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 58 Paul is writing to the members at the church of Corinth. And he is imploring them to strive for consistency. He says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What is this? This is consistency. And so, as he commands the Corinthian church members to be steadfast and unmovable and striving for consistency in their lives, so do I exhort each of us here this morning. And by extension, anybody that might listen to the message on sermon audio, I exhort you in 2023 to strive for consistency. Now, in the message this morning, I want us to look at three factors three factors that will help us in striving for consistency. The first factor is this. The Lord aids us as the epitome of consistency. The second factor, we have the advantage of Christian examples of consistency. And the third factor that will help us in striving for consistency is that we are admonished about the error of inconsistency. Three factors that help us today, and I trust every day, and in 2023, as we strive for consistency. Note the first factor that will help us in striving for consistency The Lord aids us as the epitome of consistency. In other words, if we want to lead a consistent Christian life, we must look to the Lord. Now, as Paul writes 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and again, I know that you know that the Bible as it was originally written in the original manuscripts, and Paul penned this epistle to the church at Corinth, the first of his two epistles. He didn't write chapter breaks and and verse breaks, but as he wrote verse number 58, he writes, therefore. Do you notice that? Therefore, what have we said in our past teaching on the Bible? Well, when we see therefore, we ought to ask what it's there for. Why is it there? And, And so, Paul is literally, as he writes therefore, he is referring to what he had just written to the church at Corinth, and we could go back and look at the entire context, but but all we need to do to understand here what he's trying to get across is to look at the previous verse. In the previous verse, verse number 57, he writes, but thanks be to 
God. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren. And so he is literally referring to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we deduce from this is that if we are ever to lead a consistent Christian life, it's going to be by the grace of God, and we must look to God. Now, God is not only the one that aids us in our Christian walk to lead a consistent Christian life, but He gives us the example because He is the epitome of what consistency is. In other words, if you want to be consistent in your Christian life, look to God. Now, think about this. The the Lord aids us as the epitome of consistency we must begin by thinking about the description of the Lord's character as being consistent. In other words, the Lord is the epitome of consistency. The description of His character reveals that He is consistent. Now, what what Christian or what what attribute of God can you think of that would relate to consistency? And I'm going to tell you what that attribute is. It is the immutability of God. God is completely consistent. God is not up and down. He is not moved by emotions. And, you know, again, uh, we were talking a little bit out in the hallway about the game last night, and uh, the Buckeyes lost, but i got to tell you, I was proud of those boys. Man, they, they, they played with heart. Everybody said they were going to get blown out. And, and, and they played their hearts out. And I, I tell you, I was never more proud of an Ohio State team, even in losing. But I'm going to tell you this, too. You want to talk about a roller coaster ride? Look, if you ever watch a game with me, you, you know me. My emotions hang on my sleeve. And so there was times when I was hooping and hollering, and there were times when I was like, I was ready to cry. Okay? Uh, it's up and down. Now, you say, oh, this is that stupid. I know it's stupid. But I'm not going to pick your your leisure time out and tell you it's stupid. Okay, you go play pickleball. Well, that's stupid to play pickleball. Look, you have your leisure, okay? The Buckeyes are my leisure, all right? And, it, yeah, it's stupid to get on a roller coaster ride about a football game where you got 18 to 22-year-olds playing, and I'm not playing, and I can't do anything about it. I love the Buckeyes. O-H-I-O, okay? I'll die a Buckeye, okay? My heart bleeds Buckeye. I don't know how I got off on the Buckeyes this morning. Uh, obviously, the game's still bothering me a little bit. But you get what I'm saying? It's a, it's a roller coaster ride. And my emotions are like, yes! Oh, man, that stinks. God is not like that. God is entirely consistent. He is the epitome of consistency. He is immutable. In Psalms 102, verse 27 we learn about the immutability of God in Psalms 102, verse 27. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. God is always the same. He is the epitome of consistency. We ought to look at God as our epitome of consistency. When things are going rough for us, we tend to get down, do we not? And I'm not slamming you this morning for that. We are but human beings. And I don't mean this morning to set a standard such that you you would be required to live as though you're not human. I don't mean that this morning. 
But let our lows not be too low, and let our highs not be too high. And let us lead a Christian consistent life. Let us look to consistency and strive for consistency in 2023. God is the epitome of consistency. But thou art the same. And He is the same forever. The psalmist writes, But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. God is always the same. Isn't it great when you have relationships with people and you know what you can expect? I can recall bosses that I've had, and and they were not the best boss, but you know what? I knew what I could expect. And it wasn't like one day they're going to hug you, and the next day they're going to punch you in in the jaw. They were consistent. Now, they might have been consistently bad, but but they were consistent, okay? Look, God is not consistently bad. He's good. And He's not good just some of the time. He's good all the time. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Stephen Sharnock, the Puritan, wrote an epic work on the attributes of God. And in talking about the immutability of God, Sharnock wrote this, The essence of God with all the perfections of His nature are pronounced the same without any variation from eternity to eternity so that the text doth not only assert the eternal duration of God but His immutability in that duration. Folks, if you want to strive for consistency in 2023, the Lord aids us as the epitome of consistency. So we see that consistency is the description of His character. Consistency, we're talking about the Lord aiding us as the epitome of consistency. Consistency is demonstrated by Christ. Aren't you thankful that you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that's Jesus Christ? And you know, Jesus is consistent. Think about this, and by the way, You could turn over to this verse if you want, but regardless, we are going to be making our way to the book of Hebrews here. But in Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 8, Paul, and I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, or if you don't believe that, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Do you know that Jesus is infinitely consistent? He doesn't change. During His earthly ministry in His 33 years here on this earth, Jesus was consistent. He wasn't different as a teenager or as a child as He was as a man. He was always perfect in every every, uh, aspect of His life. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. And we're talking about the Lord aiding us as the epitome of consistency. If we want to strive for consistency in 2023, we not only look to God the Father, but we look to Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I said we'd be in Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You want to talk about striving for consistency and how that can happen. Well, the Lord aids us as the epitome of consistency. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, you may have never looked at this verse in in this light before, but is Paul not really saying let's be consistent? Let's be consistent in our Christian walk. Let's lay aside 
every weight and the sin that that so easily besets us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us let us be consistent when you run in a in a race and and uh if you've ever run a a marathon or a half marathon you you say okay i gotta run 26.2 miles my goal time is this how much do i need to what's my time for each mile and if you're going to run a 408 uh or a four-hour marathon, you're going to need to run about a nine-minute uh, nine and eight-second mile. And you know what? You don't want to start out running a six-minute mile because guess what? By, by about the halfway point, you're going to be down to 12 or 13 minutes a mile. You've got to be consistent in running the race. And so Paul is saying be consistent, and then how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at verse 3 as well. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. What is Paul writing? He's saying that Jesus was consistent. Even though he was treated in a manner in which he, and we looked at the murder of Jesus in 2022, in spite of what happened to him and what he endured, Jesus was consistent. You want to be consistent in 2023, look to Jesus. Oswald Chambers wrote this, Christianity is not consistency to conscience or to convictions. Christianity is being true to Jesus Christ. And so we want to strive for consistency. It is demonstrated by Christ. And then thirdly, when we talk about the Lord aiding us as the epitome of consistency, think about the details of how the Lord delivers consistency to His people. How does the Lord aid us? How does He, how does he deliver consistency to His people? Well, we're talking about God and who God is. And that means that first of all, He delivers it by His long-suffering. By His long-suffering. Think about this in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 6. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 6. The Bible reads, For I am the Lord, I change not. He's consistent. But then what follows? Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And so in our inconsistent Christian walk, God does not become angry with us and wipe us out. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same as His years have no end. He said, I am the Lord. I change not, therefore you're not consumed. Isn't that a comfort for the child of God this morning? How does He deliver consistency consistency to us? He's long-suffering. We're not consumed. We see Him as the epitome of consistency and He helps us to uh, strive for consistency in our own lives. He's long-suffering. He's loving. He's loving. James chapter 1 and verse number 17. James chapter 1 and verse number 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, get this, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James 1 verse 17. God is the same. He's long-suffering. I'm the Lord, I change not, therefore you're not consumed. He's loving. 
Every good and perfect gift comes down from Him. He doesn't change. There's no variableness with Him. There's no shadow of turning. And what that means is that God will give us what we need to be consistent. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. Have you prayed to be consistent? Have you thought about praying to be consistent? I don't know about you, but I I struggle in my own Christian life oftentimes with my own inward self and my own inward flesh and 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 my my ungodly desires at times and i'm just going to tell you man and and you know the job that i have the secular job sometimes i i you know you see these defendants and they they perpetrate these crimes upon these innocent people you know in domestic violence and sexual assaults and you know i got to stand next to them in court and i got to tell you there's times when i just rather just tackle them and you know beat the tar out of them i'm sorry i you know i mean you don't and I'm not saying this in any haughty or arrogant way. You don't see what I see. okay? You, you don't want to see the pictures and the, the reports and so forth. Um, listen, God loves us and He gives us. He gives us the ability to be consistent. I struggle with wanting to be consistent. I struggle as Paul struggled in Romans chapter number 7 where he said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that, that, that I don't want to do, I do. And I struggle as the people of God struggled in the book of Judges where if you recall that cycle that they were on where they would be at rest and then they would, they, they would, uh, uh, they would, they would uh, apostatize against the Lord and, and the God would bring retribution to them and then they would repent and then there would be restoration and then they'd be at rest and then they would uh, apostatize again against the Lord. And so... God will give us what we need to be consistent. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down with the one from the one who is entirely consistent. So how are, what are the details in which he delivers this consistency to us? He's long-suffering, he's loving, and then lastly, he's lifting. He's lifting. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter number 40, and we are we're going to be looking at a number of scriptures today, especially in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter number 40, and I did mention that this would be a, a longer message. Uh, I don't normally preach this long, but today will be a little bit longer. Isaiah chapter number 40, and I want you to notice verses 28 through 31, and you probably know these verses. These are, these are wonderful verses. In fact, we have a, we have a uh, placard hanging outside with a picture in the foyer area that has one of these verses on it. Isaiah chapter number 40. Look at verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. What is that, folks? consistency. God is he's utterly and entirely consistent. Now watch. He giveth power to who? The faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. You see, you see what God does? He lifts us to be consistent. Watch verse number 30. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. 
But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. The Lord lifts up His people to be consistent. When we are fainting and we fall, what's the Lord do? He lifts us up. He allows us to strive for consistency. There are going to be times in our Christian walk when we don't have any strength, when we're fainting, and we can't run, and yet He helps us to walk. And we can't even walk, and we fall to our knees, and He helps us to crawl. But we're moving forward, consistent in our Christian lives. 2023, striving for consistency. Three factors that we consider as we strive for consistency. The first of those factors, the Lord aids us as the epitome of consistency. Now I want you to note the second factor. As we strive for consistency, we have the advantage of Christian examples of consistency. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, in verse number 58, he commands the Corinthians to be steadfast, unmovable. He commands us. He doesn't say, now, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to really prosper in the Lord, you should, you should try to be steadfast and unmovable. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. He says, ye, all of you, not just a few of you, not just the super spiritual of the members of the church at Corinth, but all of you be ye steadfast, unmovable. Be consistent. God graciously provides us examples of how we can be consistent. He not only aids us as the epitome, and we look to Him, our, our Heavenly Father, and we look to God, and we look to the Holy Spirit uh, as He can aid us as every good and perfect gift comes down from the One who is entirely consistent. Not only do we look to the Lord as the epitome, but we have Christian examples that help us. God graciously provides examples as to how we can be consistent. Now, we've talked in some generalities this morning, have we not? Well, we want to be consistent in our private devotions and in our public walk and in, in uh, fulfilling and carrying out our Christian duties in performing what God would have us to do in service. But let's get a little bit more specific this morning as to how we can be consistent in our walk in the Lord. And in order to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to focus entirely in the book of Daniel. And I want to focus on the four Hebrews that were brought captive into the land of Babylon that we find mentioned in the book of Daniel. Uh, and and uh, we're going to focus entirely on these these four to help us have an advantage and and strive for consistency in 2023. Now, what do we learn from these Christian examples in the book of Daniel as to how we can be consistent? Well, the first way is that we are to avoid compromising our conscience. Avoid compromising our conscience. I want to ask you in your Bibles to turn to Daniel chapter number 1 and we're going to read Daniel chapter number 1 verses 8 through 16 
Daniel chapter number 1, verses 8 through 16, and I want you to notice the example of consistency in these four Hebrew young men that were brought into captivity in Babylon. Notice Daniel chapter number 1. By the way, who we're talking about here is Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You might recognize the latter three as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those were names of Babylonian gods with a little g that were assigned to these three Hebrew believers. And so notice Daniel chapter number 1, verse number 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now stop there. What, what is Daniel striving for? Consistency. He's not saying, and I want you to just ask yourself if you would do this. He's not saying, you know, this, this, is, not, this is not how we operate. But here we are, and so, you know, uh, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans. No, he's not saying, he's wanting to be consistent. And he's not wanting to defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Now, you can debate as to what is meant by this. Is it offered to idols? Uh, that's one view. Is there other reasons why he didn't want to defile himself with the king's meat? The point is that he wanted to be consistent. Now watch verse number 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. And so what, what is being said here is that, you know what, the others are okay doing it. And if the others are okay doing it, then Daniel, uh, how am I going to explain this? Because you guys are not going to be as well nourished as the others, and the others are okay doing it, so why don't you just do it? That's a question you ought to ask yourselves in your Christmas. Everyone else is doing it. I mean, think about the area of standards, and I won't go into detail today, but my wife and I oftentimes, we look at what others are doing and say, what happened to this standard that, we, that, that Christians had 20, 30 years ago? Everybody's doing it now, and so it's okay. What happened to those standards? By the way, if you're ever curious about that, I'll talk to you afterwards. But what, what happened to this standard? Now everybody's doing it. It's okay to do it. Well, we might want to try to be consistent in our Christian walk. Notice verse number 11. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee in the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. These four said, you know what, we want to be consistent in our walk before the Lord. We don't want to compromise our, our conscience just because of where we're at. And you know what God did? And this is a lesson for us. God bless them for their consistency in not compromising their conscience. Benjamin Disraeli was the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, and he said the secret of success is constancy of purpose. 
These four were constant and consistent in purpose, and God blessed them with success. You know, it works the same way in our lives. If God really doesn't change, then why would He bless the four Hebrew children this way, and yet that blessing not be available to us? If we're consistent and we refuse to compromise our consciences, we avoid compromising our conscience. So we have the advantage of Christian examples of consistency to show us how we can be consistent. The first way is to avoid compromising our conscience. Stand for what God has given you from the Word. Be a person of your convictions and God will bless you for it. The second way we see in the uh, advantage of the Christian examples of consistency we have is that we are, abstain, we, to are, uh, we are to abstain from competition for God's glory. Abstain from competition for God's glory. Now I want you to turn over to Daniel chapter number 3. These same three Hebrew children, minus Daniel, minus Daniel, right, uh, are here in this situation where uh, God has set them up or, or God has allowed them to undergo this testing, and they have been set up, and they have a decision to make. They can either worship this image that had been set up of King Nebuchadnezzar and not go into this fiery furnace, or they could be consistent and trust God, that God would, that God would provide for them. In other words, are they going to give their glory to sinful man? Or are they going to give the glory to God Almighty? And they said, you know what, we want to be consistent. We're going to abstain from competition for God's glory. Now watch, Daniel chapter number 3. Daniel chapter number 3, verses... And by the way, we're not going through the entire chapter here because I, I trust that you have some background on what's taking place. But notice Daniel chapter number 3, verses 15 through 18. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking to uh, uh, the three Hebrew children in Daniel chapter number 3, verse 15. Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall del- deliver you out of my hands? What is, what is Nebuchadnezzar saying? He said, there's none greater than me. Your God's not greater than me. He is, he is telling these three Hebrew children that they must worship Him. They must fall down at the image that has been erected of Him. And they're to give their glory to Him as God. And God can't help you because I'm stronger than God. That's what He's saying. Now we know how that turned out for Nebuchadnezzar later on, right? But, but watch verse number 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. Those are some of the choicest words in Scripture. Like, yeah, we don't even need to think about this. No, no, we're not doing this. Notice verse 17. If be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What are they saying to Nebuchadnezzar? You know what? We're consistent. We're not not going to forsake the Lord just because our health is at risk. What did the devil say to God about Job? 
well, you know, if 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 you touch his if you touch his health, he'll curse you to your face because you know every man's own interest lies in their own well-being. And he he railed on Job, and God knew Job and Job's heart because God had saved Job miraculously, and 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 God allowed that testing to come upon Job. Listen, there are those that that for expediency and to protect their own physical health would say, well, you know, they start to reason it out. Well, you know, here we are in this strange land and nobody's going to see anyways and God knows my heart. God knows I'm not really, when I bow to that image, I'm not really giving glory to God. God knows that. And after all, if I if I get put in the fiery furnace and die, how am I going to serve the Lord here? Then I can't bring glory to God. And so, you know what? God knows, God knows my heart. I'm just going to go ahead and bow to the image. And you know what? Hold on to your seats. You know we do that all the time. We don't literally bow to an image. But we compromise. And we are not consistent in our Christian walk. And these three Hebrew children, young men, said, Look, God is fully capable of rescuing us, but if it's His will that we go through the fiery furnace, we're going to be consistent. We serve God. God gets the honor and glory. Brother Spurgeon wrote in reference to this particular passage. He writes, The narrative of the manly courage and marvelous deliverance of the three holy children, or rather champions, is well calculated to excite in the minds of believers firmness and steadfastness in upholding the truth in the teeth of tyranny and in the very jaws of death. Let young Christians especially learn from their example, both in matters of faith and religion, in matters of uprightness and business, never to sacrifice their consciences. And so it is. They were consistent in what they were doing. And they did not allow competition for God's glory to drive them to be inconsistent in their Christian lives. We have the advantage of Christian examples of consistency. We're just focusing here in the book of Daniel briefly, but the entire scripture is full of godly examples of consistency. We're going to look at one last one. What's another way in which we can learn from our Christian examples of consistency? We learn this, that we are to actively carry out our Christian discipline. We are to actively carry out our Christian disciplines in being consistent. Now Daniel was well favored of God and put in positions of leadership and government here in Babylon. And there were those that ruled with him that didn't like him. And uh, there were those that said, you know what, Uh, we want you to make a a decree, uh, O king, that uh, no man would be able to pray, no man would be able to seek the face of his God, and what they were doing was they were trying to catch Daniel. They were trying to trip Daniel up, weren't they? They thought that, you know, well, let's see what happens. Maybe Daniel, maybe Daniel won't be consistent, and then we'll be able to say, oh, see, you said you were all this. Or maybe he will be consistent, we'll be able to, we'll be able to get rid of this guy. What did Daniel do? Well, look at Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 10. Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 10. Actually, let's read verse number 9 as well. 
Wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened, being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God. Watch, don't miss this. As he did a four time. <laughs> Look, it isn't like don't don't get this in your mind, right? So Daniel hears you know about the decree being signed. You know, thirty days you can't seek seek a petition from, from anybody, uh, any higher being or anything like that. Uh, so he he hears that this is signed, and so then he wants them to know that he is going to disobey this decree, and so he goes in and he opens his window. No. No, you know what he did? <laughs> he did exactly what he always did. If you do exactly what you always do, is that not the epitome of consistency? He did what he did before the decree was signed. What is he doing? He places emphasis on the Christian discipline of prayer. He goes in. Look at it in verse number 10. He knows the decree is signed. He goes into his own dwelling place. The windows are open. He kneels on his knees three times a day and prays just like he did before. That is consistency. Daniel was consistent in carrying out his Christian disciplines. I heard this over the weekend and I didn't hear who said it and I couldn't find a, a, a somebody to attribute this to so I'll just say someone once said okay someone once said predictability is the best ability <laughs> isn't that good predictability is the best ability you know what was predictable Daniel praying to God three times a day on his knees and those that oppose Daniel and are playing dirty politics with Daniel that's the whole reason that they that they went to King Darius to sign this decree so that they could catch Daniel because Daniel was predictable. He was consistent in what he did. Are we consistent? Are you consistent in your Christian devotions? Do you read your Bible some days but not every day? Do you pray to God some days but not every day? Now look, I'm not talking about being so routine that it doesn't, it doesn't benefit us. Now here we are the start of the new year. You ought to have a plan for, for your devotions. But to say, and I think most of us have been saved 30 years plus, right? Okay, To say, well, I have a one-year Bible reading plan. And you just rotely and routinely go through that. Without any, any benefit from the Lord speaking to you as you read it, your goal is just to get through it so you can check off and say, man, I read the Bible 853 times. What is the value? I'm not talking about that kind of consistency and predictability. I'm talking about setting some goals that, you know what, this year, man, I want to get in and I want to study the parables of the Lord. This year I want to look at the miracles that the Lord performed. I want to study the minor prophets. I want to get into the historical books of the Old Testament, the prophetical books. I want to find what God has to say in the book of Revelation. I want to read chronologically through the Bible so I can get an idea of how things really came together. But being consistent in what you do. John Maxwell. Uh, I haven't heard much about John Maxwell lately, but he wrote a series of books on leadership and 
Darlene and I had the privilege of going to a church over in St. Louis when he was here years ago, and I've got a number of his books on Christian leadership, but John Maxwell wrote, Small disciplines repeated with consistency every day lead to great achievements gained slowly over time. Now think about Daniel's consistency in just going in and praying. And what do you... What, what do you remember most about Daniel? If I, if I were to say, okay, we're going to have a Christian trivia, and I would say to you, name one thing you remember about Daniel, what would you say? Well, he's the guy in the lion's den, man. He's the guy in the lion's den. The, the, the lion's, you know, he's down there and the light gets thrown in the lion's den, and, 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 and he didn't get eaten by the lions. Well, why was that? Because he was consistent in what he did, and God blessed him for it. He was thrown into that den with the lions, and God stopped the law, of the, the jaws of the lion. Jesus Christ Himself went, went with Daniel into that lion's den and protected him. So, you want to be consistent in 2023? You got a plan for your devotions? Plan to consistently serve the Lord in His house? Plan to give to the Lord and increase your giving to the Lord this year? You, you notice I said to the Lord, not to the church. And, and, and you want to you serve God, actively carry out your Christian disciplines. We have the advantage of Christian examples of consistency. And then there's a third factor, and we'll be done this morning. There's a third factor that will help us in striving for consistency. And that's this. We're admonished about the error of inconsistency. Isn't it true that we, still as adults, we need to know the negative commands of Scripture and the promises of chastisement and the dangers that await us if we forsake the Lord? We need to know that, right? I mean, the Lord, over in the book of Deuteronomy, He talked about the blessings if the children of Israel serve the Lord and the curses if they didn't. And if you look at that chapter that details that, it's about 70-something verses, 60-70 verses, and most of it's about, you know, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. Those are the weightier commands of Scripture. And so we need to know, we need to know, first of all, that the Lord aids us as the epitome of consistency, and we have the advantage of Christian examples of consistency, to help us lead a consistent life. But we also need to know and be reminded of this. We need to be admonished about the error of inconsistency. There are dangers if we are not consistent in our Christian walk. There are dangers. What are they? Well, as we, as we notice about the errors of inconsistency, we want to know, first of all, that inconsistency prevents our usefulness. Inconsistency prevents our useful usefulness. Now back in our text verse in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 58, let's note again what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Now watch. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain for the Lord. What is, what is Paul saying? He's saying that if you're consistent, if you're steadfast and you're unmovable, you will always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, your definition of abounding might be different than what the Lord's definition is, 
because sometimes we look at number and we look at at, at uh, material blessings and physical blessings. And I got to tell you, just real quick, uh, if any of you are interested in an outstanding documentary, uh, there's a documentary on the TLC channel about that about Hillsong Church. Do you guys know Hillsong Church? Um, Pastor Carl Lentz and Brian Houston and. You know, back in the early 2000s, they started this movement, you know, where you got the hipster preacher up there with his letter jacket and all that kind of stuff. And and I would tell you what, this documentary is amazing, how that their leadership was just steeped in lasciviousness and adultery and wickedness and in excess of money. And, you know, they thought that, well, you know, if, if God is if God is blessing us, that'll be manifest in us getting a lot of money. Not talking about that kind of abounding. Talking about spiritual abounding. And I believe that's what Paul was talking about here. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. If you will, be consistent. And if you are, you'll always be abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. If we are consistent, we will superabound. That's what that word abounding there means. It's superabound. We will superabound. We will we will be useful for the Lord. We might not have a church made up of hundreds or thousands of people. We might not have a great ministry where we're on, you know, the the, the talk shows and you know we get all the attention and so forth. But we can superabound in the work of the Lord if we are consistent. But if we are not consistent. It will prevent our usefulness because the opposite is true. Why would Paul write, Be ye steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. If you could be inconsistent and not steadfast and not unmovable and still abound in the work of the Lord. And so the opposite is true. Inconsistency prevents our usefulness. Look, if we're just okay toiling along and making no difference, then it won't matter to us. We won't care. But if you really want to honor the Lord and you say, you know, I don't care if there's there's four people or 400 people, I'm going to do my best for the Lord. I want, to, I want to prepare the best message that I can by the grace of God. I want to serve the Lord as best I can in His house. I want to be the witness that the Lord wants me to be uh, on the job. I want to do the best that I can do. I want to be consistent, uh, steadfast and unmovable, always abounding the work of the Lord. Then it will matter to you whether you're consistent or not. If you don't care, what's it matter anyways? Average is good enough for me. (laughs) Can't stand that attitude. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing to the best of our ability. If it's worth doing, we ought to do it with all that we have. Aristotle, the philosopher, said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. We ought to be in the habit of consistently and excellently serving the Lord because inconsistency prevents our usefulness. Secondly, we're talking about the fact that we're admonished about the errors of inconsistency. Secondly, inconsistency produces unfaithfulness. Not only does inconsistency prevent our usefulness, but inconsistency produces unfaithfulness. It results in this. And we've kind of already talked about this with uh, our illustration of uh, the three Hebrew children and abstaining from competition for God's glory and refusing to bow down 
uh, to this idol that was erected by Nebuchadnezzar. But, but you know what inconsistency produces? Practical idolatry. Practical idolatry. Now look, we just went through, we just went through the Christmas season, right? And there were a bunch of articles about there as uh, out there as there always are about you know the Baal bush and if you have a if you have a Christmas tree you're bowing down to Baal and you're serving Baal it was just complete idiocy. I, I would suppose to say that none of you have ever bowed to your Christmas tree in worship if if you put a Christmas tree up. It's it's ridiculous. Okay, it's a straw man argument. But you know what we do? Do we are practical idolaters. We have idols of the heart, which are far worse than putting up a tree with some lights on it. Okay, we we are, we are practical idolaters. We have, as Ezekiel wrote about, idols of the heart. You know, the Lord addressed this, did He not, during His earthly ministry, in Matthew chapter six, verse number twenty-four. Matthew chapter six, verse number twenty-four. The Bible reads. No man can serve two masters. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about inconsistency. You can't serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And he's talking about having our heart set upon riches. In Matthew chapter number 6, and what follows from verse number 24 is all about seeking God and His kingdom first and His righteousness and trusting God to add to us the things that we need to exist here in this life. Food, clothing, housing, and so forth and so on. But what do we do? I'll tell you what we do. We set our careers as our idol. We put that first. You know, you know how we know it's an idol? Because you put it first. got to put this first. Nothing comes before my job or my career. Well, that's your idol then. That's where your heart is at. You would do whatever your job tells you to do because, you know, you've put that first. But when you put God first and you say, you know what, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to be consistent and not violate the Christian principles that God has given to me. Then you say, you know, whatever God gives me, he'll, he'll bless. He'll take care of me. Just like the three Hebrew children. You know, if God has me here, he'll take care of me. If he wants me there, he'll take care of me. If he wants to move me there and, you know, I don't have a job where I can make all the money that I'm making right now, God will take care of me if he wants me there. But I'm going to be consistent in doing what God wants me to do. You can't serve two masters. It is inconsistent. And it is inconsistency that produces practical idolatry. Francis Bacon, the English philosopher and uh, uh, Attorney General in, in the United Kingdom wrote, Consistency is the foundation of virtue. It's the foundation of virtue. And so if we want to lead a virtuous life where our power is vested in God, we will strive for consistency. Inconsistency produces unfaithfulness. It, is, it results in practical idolatry. And secondly, it produces pervasive instability. Pervasive. It's everywhere. It affects every area of our lives. Do you know that you really just can't be inconsistent in one area of your life? Um, Darlene, yesterday, uh, I was having a uh, football fest. 
And I, uh, man, I tell you what, I was rejoicing because a, a, a team up north loss is as good as a Buckeye victory, you know. So I was rejoicing in that. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> I loved it. Um, and she was. Wa- I hope you don't mind me sharing this, dear. She was watching an episode of uh, the the 650 pound woman and uh, you know Amy and Tammy and so forth and thousand pound sisters. Okay. Thousand pound sisters, and uh, <laughs> I, I'd like to kind of see them sumo wrestle. But uh, you know, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing, it, and I don't mean to denigrate them, but I have to—I just have to use this as an illustration. If you weigh 650 pounds or a thousand pounds or whatever it is that you weigh, do you think that you're only inconsistent in your eating? In other words, do you think that the only issue that these people have is their eating? It's not. It's pervasive, okay? It's pervasive. So, look, inconsistency produces unfaithfulness. It results in practical idolatry. It results in pervasive instability. Now, let me prove it to you. James, who we've already talked about, who referenced the character and the attributes of God when he said that there's no variableness in him, neither shadow of turning, he talked about the immutability of God, He also talks about man's inconsistency. Because in James chapter 1 and verse number 8, James wrote this, A double-minded man is unstable. Don't forget the last part. In all his ways. In all his ways. The word double-minded literally means vacillating or two-spirited. Two-spirited. Robertson's word pictures notes that there's a there's a comparison to be made of Mr. Facing Both Ways. You guys remember Mr. Facing Both Ways? He's a character in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And Mr. Facing Both Ways lived in the city of fair speech. The city of fair speech represented those who live in duplicity, in hypocrisy, in their conversations and their dealings with others. Mr. Facing both ways represents one who holds contradictory views and opinions to the large majority and yet attempts to gain favor by agreeing with everyone. That's a double-minded man. That's a vacillating or two-spirited man. You know what that is? That's an inconsistent person. We've already addressed this as well. When I'm over here in Rome, I'll do as the Romans. When I'm over here, I'll do, you know, I'll do as these people. Paul kind of got on Peter for that in the book of Galatians, by the way. Galatians chapter number 2, go back and look at that. We ought not to be, Mr. Facing Both Ways. A double-minded man is unstable. The word unstable means unsteady or staggering like a drunk. That's the Greek meaning of that word. A double-minded man, a two-spirited, vacillating man is unsteady, staggering like a drunk in all his ways. When you are staggering like a drunk, you are unstable. It is the epitome of instability. And so, inconsistency results in pervasive instability. We ought not to be double-minded. It results in instability. And then lastly, 
There's a third way here. We see we're admonished about the error of inconsistency. Inconsistency prevents our usefulness. Inconsistency produces unfaithfulness. And thirdly, inconsistency provokes to our undoing. Provokes to our undoing. Turn with me in your Bibles and we're going to finish with these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. We just had the uh, privilege and pleasure of enjoying the Lord's Supper here a few weeks back. And Paul is writing about the Lord's Supper in comparison to idolatrous feasts. And notice 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 verses 21 and 22. We're talking about inconsistency provoking to our undoing. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 verses 21 and 22. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord. He's talking about, I believe, the Lord's Supper. The cup that is, is used in the Supper of the Lord or communion. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. In other words, you can't, you can't come into the Lord's house on Wednesday night and observe the Lord's Supper and then go to your idolatrous feast the next day and, and, and observe the table of devils. It's inconsistent. Is it not inconsistent to do that? What is the result of that? See, because we're talking about our being admonished about the error of inconsistency. Look at verse 22, and this should literally make us quake in our boots or our shoes this morning. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? the answer is that we do provoke the Lord to jealousy and we're not stronger than him listen man you ought to be careful about getting into a fight with somebody that's superior to you the Lord's superior to us we ought to be careful about inconsistency that provokes the Lord because it could be provoking to our undoing interestingly the word provoke in the Greek means to excite to rivalry you ever think about exciting the Lord to rival? The Lord is not our rival. We're on the same team. We're on the Lord's team. Who is on the Lord's side? We're on the Lord's side. And so our actions in our life should not be so inconsistent that we are provoking the Lord to jealousy because you know what? He's stronger than you are. And we're going to lose every time we provoke the Lord to jealousy. You know, there's the there's the 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 uh, story you, you've heard about the little guy that goes into the bar and he's got little guy syndrome. You know, and he's going to get all liquored up and have his beer courage, and he's going to go pick on the big guy. It doesn't usually work out well for the small guy. The Lord's stronger than us. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Well, we do when we're trying to partake of the Lord's cup and the devil's cup. When we're trying to partake of the Lord's table and the table of devils. So we ought to strive for consistency. 2023. I'm excited. We get another year. I'm ready to put 2022 to bed, right? Uh, in fact, 21, 20, 21, 22. <laughs> Let's just get rid of all of those, okay? Can we just go back to pre-pandemic stuff? Um, I'm, I jest, of course. Here we are, 2023. It's a new year. Uh, we ought to be excited. The Lord's given us another, at least another day in this new year. He hasn't taken us home. And so 
What do we want to do in 2023? Well, our church theme, and it's a challenge to each of us, is that in 2023, we ought to strive for consistency. Today, we looked at three factors that I hope will help us. The Lord aids us as the epitome of consistency. We have the advantage of Christian examples of consistency, and we are admonished about the error of inconsistency. Let's pray that the Lord would help us strive for consistency. Let's pray.